Welcome back to Food for Thought, the podcast that talks about anything and everything as it pertains to health and wellness. It's March, which means it's Nutrition Month. So I'm excited to be talking about something that remains near and dear to my heart, food, especially as it relates to cooking. The theme for this year is actually unlock the potential of food, find a dietitian. And while I traded in my arty hat a number of years ago, I still love food and inspiring people to get excited about food and in a lot of ways to change their relationship with food. I'm Carissa McKay, one of the health promotion specialists, and I'm excited to once again welcome back Cheryl Nickerak, the base dietitian here. So clearly I was able to find a dietitian and we will talk a bit more about how to connect with her later on in the episode. Welcome back, Cheryl. What's your favorite thing about Nutrition Month and this year's theme? Thank you and uh, excited to be here. Nutrition Month this year is interesting. They Every year it's interesting, but ingredients leaves it pretty wide open. The information received from Dietitians of Canada, who are the spearholders of the title Nutrition Month and all of the patent therein, if you want to call it that, is pretty wide open. So, which is great because it takes into account what we're talking about today. And also in terms of finding a dietitian, the reason, of course, one of the main reasons people would maybe hopefully want to find a dietitian is to have more confidence with what those ingredients are and how to arrange them. So it's it's a great theme. I agree. I love that. And I love the idea of being more confident in choosing foods, preparing foods, fighting ingredients, putting them together. And the thing that I have been liking about the unlock the potential of food part of the theme is that it really does showcase the power of good that comes from our food. In a time when there is so much misinformation, confusion, and competing belief systems when it comes to food, it kind of feels like food has in a lot of ways become viewed as the enemy, especially when you consider things like allergies or diabetes or anything where there can be some pretty negative effects of eating something that you quote unquote shouldn't. But even in those circumstances, you still can capitalize on the good things that come from food. The amount of potential there is pretty amazing. I think that Hippocrates quote, let food be your medicine and your medicine be your food is a really good starting point because there are a lot of functional qualities in food that we know we can use to our benefit. And that while yes, some people need to avoid potentially anaphylactic or or other types of foods, for most people, food really is a great tool in the quest for good health. Mm -hmm. Completely agreed. You bet. So do you think that dietitians are able to capitalize on those tools in some way that people maybe can't or or that maybe people shouldn't (laughs) possibly? Yes. So there are all sorts of methods and techniques to lighten the load and make the road easier to choosing appropriate foods. And when I think of those, even those family members or members themselves who have, for example, celiac disease and how you try to get a meal in stay on the road where you have gluten intolerance to the point where you know it's a real biopsied condition and and you need to avoid gluten because even 20 parts per million is going to give you gut pain for the next three days not to mention the potential down the road risk of intestinal cancer etc etc so there are realities here on an everyday basis for members so yeah, so it's very important to try to navigate the system. And that's what dietitians help to do, navigate the how to find a dietitian in your area, if you don't know where one is, and access. And then, uh, of course, get to your questions of what to do about food confusion. And there's so much of it out there. Exactly. I don't know For if sure. I answered that question. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's that's great. And I think that navigation is actually a really good way to look at it. So when we move into that idea of meal planning that you mentioned, 
I know that there's a lot of confusion around the topic and there's actually a lot of different ways that we can view meal planning. So there's the the meal planning perspective that a lot of people think of in terms of like longer term, what am I going to do for a, a longer period of time? But then there's also in those moments, like you said, what if you have celiac disease and you're going on the road, what are you going to do? How are you going to choose something? How are you going to know that you're eating something that is both nutritious and let's face it safe because who wants to have gut pain for three days and, and however long? So lots of things to consider. And I think that the issue that I remember for me when I was working as a dietitian, I didn't really like the idea of people coming in and saying, I just want someone to plan a meal for me. I just want to know what I need to eat. And I didn't like that because number one, I don't know what you like. Number two, I don't know what your skills, your schedule and your budget are, which budget right now is really important. Three, it's not actually teaching you anything. And you can for sure hit repeat on that however many weeks of of meal plan you might get, at some point, you're going to get bored. And four, all of those things means that asking for that meal plan, it's not a really sustainable long term way to learn how to make those choices for yourself. So it kind of comes back to that idea of navigating and learning and skill building and, and all of that. So when we're thinking about meal planning, like we're thinking about substitutions, we're thinking about say you move in with someone who's eating patterns, preferences, totally don't align with that, right? Like there's all kinds of things that you would need to consider. So I can see the appeal, but I figure there's got to be a little bit of a better way to do that. So let's break that down, Cheryl. What do you think about meal planning? What does it mean to you? And and how can we help people in whatever stage and place that they are kind of wrap their heads around that in a way that's doable and action oriented, and again, creates more of a positive relationship with food? Okay, thank you. Yeah, you've hit on all the the targets that I experience as well. And I think truly, like you say, when when the words meal planning come in to people's ears, they uh, often, from what I experience, the guilt starts happening, the, the whole mental health breakdown of, I have not done this, therefore I am subhuman or, or, or some kind of relationship. Whereas when I think about my fast patient load in various settings, Probably in my many years of practicing as a dietitian, there probably have been about 10, like two hands full of folks or couples or people who actually plan meals for a week at a time, or maybe they have a pattern template set out for two weeks at a time. That's it, people. That's it. It is not common. Please do not think that this is something that your neighbor does because uh, your friend, your cousin. In terms of how to plan, say when you do have time and you are able to plan a few days at a time or a week at a time, uh, it's a good idea to make multiple meals, to make assume and get into the ritual that your next lunch is what you had for dinner the night before. And I know there are many people that just don't do leftovers. There's got to be someone in the house that does take those leftovers. Again, just make food for one meal if that's the case, or use the ingredients to make the next meal and call it something different. But really, it's kind of the same. So yeah, so should we get into details of we'll talk about meal planning, kind of go backwards, uh, meal planning for the, the week type thing, and then break it down to the what if I'm on the road and I don't meal plan? <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, let's, okay. let's do that. That sounds great. Okay. I find that those who do meal plan, this is a bonus, is that the time that you have then can be used for other things in life. So 
the whole purpose of meal, one of them, whole purpose of meal planning is to get nutritious food into your body. Yes, 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 absolutely. But also reduce the mental stress or reduce the stress. And a lot of people think, oh, I, I, that increases my stress when I have to even think about meal planning. But if you do it for one day or two days, you might realize that or might encounter that it's actually reducing stress. Those families that I find or people that I find that have designated certain days of the week for International Day and Fridays is pick a, pick a culture, Mexican, Chinese or South Asian or then they get into that ritual. And then the thinking around that day of the week, one day a week being your protein as fish, protein as plan around the protein. So chicken, one day meal, pulses, peas, beans, lentils, chickpeas on another day, and then eggs for another meal, cheese as the basis for another meal. And that way, planning around the protein starts that process. Is it or groceries cheap? No, not at all. We are all encountering the kick in our budget for sure. That's a whole other story as to where to get maybe some deals. But so then planning around that can reduce stress because we're working a template already. Within that meal, then pick protein first, usually, if you can, and then work a vegetable that you like or you want to try. And that also then builds your grocery list. And then a grain, whole grain, preferably quinoa, rice, barley, buckwheat, the list is long. And so that can help with your other quarter of the plate being grains. If you need, if you want, then you have your big salad and you have potatoes that meal. Yes, your potatoes can be uh, your main carbohydrate source instead of the grain. Of course, we have to deal with that reality, of course. So yeah, so that... I find people relax into a number of corners of their life if the meal patterns are sort of a template and settled out a bit more. So that's kind of a starting point. No, I love that. I think it makes a ton of sense because I do think that people can find it overwhelming and to be able to simplify that. And I love that idea of a template. We don't have a template in my house. We have like scrap paper and that, but the template is basically we sit down on Saturday or Sunday, we figure out what we want to make, and then we make a grocery list. And to your point, when we know that groceries are ridiculously expensive, whether you're using the flyers that come to your house, or you're using the flip app, or you're just switching where you're even getting your groceries to try to get the best deals. I think that those are really important important considerations. And it's really hard to take advantage of that if you don't have a plan. Like if you're just flying by the seat of your pants, I don't know what I'm doing for supper. I have to stop at the store and I'm going to stop at the one that's on my way. It might not be the one that's got anything that you want on sale. You're going to be doing a lot of impulse buying. So having that plan reduces stress in a lot of different ways. And it also reduces financial stress when you're able to take advantage of whatever the sales or deals are, or if you're into couponing or whatever the case may be. So it's a really good idea to, I think, and we've tried to do this, is to have some stuff when you see, like, so you make your grocery list, but there's kind of two schools of thoughts. And Cheryl, maybe you can share your ideas, like make your grocery list solely on the basis of what it is that you need to prepare the items that are on your meal plan. But I find that I'll do that, but I'll also keep my eye out for stuff that's on sale that I wasn't necessarily looking for, but that I can use to put in my freezer, to stock up in my pantry, to have on hand so that if for whatever reason I don't make it to the grocery store, I still have stuff that I can literally shop in my own house to say, oh, I have a can of lentils, a bottle of tomato sauce, and I've got some dry pasta. I can make a lentil-based pasta for supper that night. And I know that I have lettuce in the fridge, right? Like, so you can do those kinds of things. So mm -hmm. using, like, it's a big process. And I, I think what you said earlier is like, 
break it down into smaller steps that are manageable and sort of start building on that template, building in that pattern and do that. So start with one thing and then gradually add other pieces to that so that you have what feels like a really comfortable way of managing your food budget, managing your likes, tastes, flavors. I love the idea of an international day, you know, that kind of a thing. And then recognizing too, that sometimes you just have to be able to prepare something on the fly. And that's a whole nother level of confidence too. And like, can I throw something together with stuff that I happen to have in my house, right? Like, so that's a whole nother piece that that would be fabulous. And we are looking and just putting it out there. And maybe if I say it out loud, it'll become a reality. But one of the things that health promotion and community recreation are trying to come up with is a plan to develop on base a teaching kitchen, which I think would be such an amazing opportunity. And Cheryl, you could come in and guest cook for us. Like it would be cool. <laughs> as long as no one is videoing my knife skills. But Oh, yeah. there's no judgment. <laughs> there's no judgment. <laughs> so yeah, like, so are there any tools? Can you recommend maybe some tools that Dietitians of Canada or things that you've used in the past that people might be able to go to. And then if you've got those, I can add those as links in the show notes, like just so that we can really give people as many tools for their nutrition toolbox as we can as well. Uh, yeah. So Alberta Health Services has tons of stuff on meal planning. And I think some of that we've shared, but those links are Google AHS meal planning. And there is a ton of various uh, meal planning. And there is there are some templates too. And you can, it's easier sometimes to make your own. So have your food groups. There's three now, and you can use the four if you want. So there's protein group, your fruits and vegetables, try to aim for more veggies, and then whole grains. And within that protein group is your milk products, cheese, yogurt, kefir, and milk, of course. So that helps to break it down and meal plan via that template per meal. Most Canadians, apparently, I don't know the absolute current research, but Apparently, most of us meal plan by the same five or six meals in rotation or not even rotation, just the same five or six meals. We're not, you know, again, people might think and have the stress that, oh, there's so much out there and I just don't take advantage. And I'm, again, I feel bad about myself because I'm not having enough variety in my life. Well, rest easy that you are not unusual from the pack. We make apparently 21 decisions by the time our feet hit the ground in the morning, and that's too many decisions. So if you can relax the decision-making with templates, then that's one step, even for a few days, even for a meal. <laughs> it's, this brings down the stress. Yes, and use what you have in the house already. Absolutely, number one, meal plan around what you have in the house already because we don't want to, though compost is beautiful, uh, we don't want to create compost in our house we're not in the business of creating compost, put it that way. Use the veggies. Get what's on sale if, again, like Chris has said, if your frozen vegetables, which are frozen on top peak season of that vegetable, supposed to be flash frozen, as long as they're well maintained in the grocery store and, and transported in a frozen state, they should be in good shape for you, often in better shape than the fresh vegetables. So, and they're already cleaned, they're in the bag for you. So they're a good idea to have frozen and canned without salt or sugar added uh, vegetables and fruits. Those are an option completely, but they're on sale and you get your points, your triple points, get them, buy them. Absolutely. First step is get what's on sale for sure. I've talked too much. So let's stop there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's good. While we're on the topic of plants, 
I want to hold that thought, but I want to just go back a little bit to what you were saying about the whole idea of, you know, recognizing that frozen is actually a really good choice. Canned is also a good choice. There's this myth around, you know, processed food isn't food anymore, which of course is kind of garbage, depending on what it has been processed into. So I think that we need to recognize that just because it's not from the produce section of the grocery store that you can get some really good better sometimes quality choices. And it's more sustainable in terms of it lasts longer because it's in your freezer. And it also has less waste and there's less work involved when you literally just have to snip open the bag and dump the corn into a bowl. You don't have to shuck it and then deal with the husks and get it off the cob and do all that stuff. So like there's some real time-saving pieces in there. I mean, is roasted corn on the barbecue in the summer amazing? Of course it is. And so when it's corn season, like absolutely take advantage. But, you know, by and large, you work with what you've got and you're going to take advantage of the things, but don't get wrapped up with the idea that it has to be whole foods in order for it to be healthy and real food. It's still food. Like a pizza that you bought from the frozen section is still not a horrible choice if you maybe throw a couple of extra veggies on there or have a big salad on the side, right? Like, so we need to also cut ourselves a little bit of slack when we're thinking about what it is that we're preparing. Like sometimes it's more meal assembly and that can be a good thing as well. So, you know, there's nuance and some subtleties and, you know, we're not saying okay, Chef Boyardee every day is a good way to go, but you know, you can still, the chef can help you out once in a while, right? Like we need to, again, be a little bit more relaxed, I think, and not so zealous because there is no moral value associated with food. You're not good or bad because you eat something or not something else. But okay, plants. We've heard, I'm sure so many times, like we need to focus more on plant-based. We need to decrease the amount of like red meat particularly. And, and you know, I have some ideas around that as well. I don't think we need to eat a whole cow every day, but we're trying to shift more to that plant-based focus. Like how do we do that? And how does that actually make meal planning a little bit even simpler? And it will also tremendously impact our bottom line for food budgeting as well. Do you want to expand a little bit on that, Cheryl? Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Pulses, for example, peas, beans, lentil, and chickpeas, which are our main source of protein in that category of plant-based foods. Should we shove in that Alberta is the number one producer of pulses in the world? Yeah. So there are sites you can go to, Alberta Pulses, resources, tons of really good recipes, as well as Canada Pulses, Canada Lentils, and that seemingly every province has their website as well. So lots of ideas, no shortage. So think of the canned pulse without anything added. We're talking no sauces. So not baked beans with a bunch of sugar added, not tomato beans with a bunch of sugar added, just the beans, just the white beans, the navy beans, the pinto beans. Uh, easy enough to buy a case of those if you want. Some of those, and again, look for your sales. Open them, rinse them, always rinse them. Drain them, throw half the can on a plate, which is going to give you probably a good... 15, 20 grams of protein and tons of fiber, probably 15 grams of fiber as well. Throw some hot sauce on it. That's your protein. So it can be as easy as that and as easy as bringing cans of such and a can opener to work with you. So that can be protein easily. You want to make a meal out of that. Again, there are tons of different ideas. But here's another one too, is to have discover different forms. So put those beans, once you've drained them, or you've cooked them from scratch in your instant pot, put those in the blender and create a paste. And then you have a paste to wipe on your wrap slash bread slash uh, whichever version of bread you like. So that becomes your protein base as well. And that blended can of pulse or 
freshly cooked pulse can go into a stew and it can be blended down. So you could have the orange lentils, which cook in very short time, probably 15, 20 minutes, blend those up as your base, and then add another <laughs> type of pulse to that in a whole whack of vegetables, which can be frozen as well. So yeah, the list goes on with what to do. The thing that I love about that is even if you're not fully like, I don't know that I can have lentils on my lentils, but I can use that lentil to stretch a meat. So I can make a meat sauce, add a can of lentils or something or the the paste that I've made. So now I'm getting just as much protein. In fact, maybe a little bit more plus fiber and I'm making the meat go farther. So instead of only getting four servings, I might be able to get eight servings out of that. So some of that can go in the freezer. I can have that ready for some day when I'm like, pressed for time, fire that into my lunch bag for lunch the next day. There's all sorts of ways that you can take advantage of those kinds of things. And that is also meal planning, right? Like that's being smart about how you're taking the time to do these things and encourage some creativity around the use of those things. And again, we're stretching that food budget. We're still getting our protein because even though people still like to think that you need to eat a steak the size of your head to get the protein that you need, especially the bodybuilders out there, you don't. And it's just, it's too expensive for one thing. I mean, it's just false, right? So, and we need to really keep hammering that point home. It's protein is not magic. It's really important, but it's not magic. We don't need to, we can let go of that protein and unicorns. They need to sort of be categorized as good, but not, you know, like anyway, (laughs) I don't know where that came from, but um, I like it. So let's talk a little bit about some of those scenarios that you were mentioning, Cheryl, in terms of the, what are we going to do to get food in us in a moment of, I don't know, like give give me some examples of scenarios where people need to make some last minute decisions, but they still want to stay on track with whatever it is that their goals are in terms of their, their eating patterns. Okay. All right. I want to bring fish into the scenario as well in, in either case, in all cases. So, so many of Folks that I see, they like fish, but the rest of the family won't eat it or vice versa. The rest of the family love it. They won't touch it, whichever. So if you do enjoy fish and particularly try to aim for salmon, if you can, that's 1,600 to 2,200 milligrams of omega-3 essential oil for us in one deck of cards or hockey size of serving. Whereas tuna, which is still going to be a great deal and on sale and still... Uh, the equivalent in protein, but there are the white tuna is uh, about two, 300 in that range milligrams of omega-3. Fish is portable if, it, if it's in a can. So lots of people think if they cook the big fish, then they need to eat it all in one meal. That is so not right. You can have it the next day and the next day after that. And maybe even the next day after that, if it's in your four degree fridge or zero degree fridge, you are fine to eat that. So break down your portion sizes. But fish or any of those canned without salt type meats can be taken in the car. So uh, you're off and about and you need something in the car in case, then take some canned fish, especially if it's on sale and you get a great deal. In our weather right now, you can do that because the oil in there probably won't freeze solid. That's another another good point. You would buy the pop up the top versions if you're in travel for sure. Okay, some other scenarios are For example, right now, there's lots of postings going on. Um, Folks or members are on the road driving across the country um, with them or their families to start their new life in, say, Ottawa or pick a city. So when we're on the road, right away, decisions are important. So decide beforehand that I am 
going to stop at grocery stores, not fast food drivers. For a number of reasons. You likely need to get out of the car if you're traveling with a pet. The pet needs to. They will tell you as well. So you can walk around by getting out in the grocery store. Determined via your cell tower slash machine in your hand, that being your phone, what stores are in that city, town, where you need to get gas anyway, and work around that. So go into the grocery store and get your ideas, get a food from each food group. Getting a roll from the bakery area, a whole grain roll, getting some cut cheese or roasted, oven roasted, say turkey from the deli, asking them to cut that for you. And then a fruit, vegetable, even peppers, green, yellow, red peppers. And you can ask the staff to wash those for you, by the way. Eat that. A lot of grocery stores have a a little table, a sit-down area to have your meal as well, if you'd like to do that. So use your grocery stores. Use the mom and pop grocery stores. It doesn't have to be a big chain. Everyone in that town needs to eat. There's going to be a grocery store. Pay attention, though, to their closing times. Because they might close at five or six o'clock and you're on the road and there's another town in 200 kilometers. So car food in the cooler is important to keep your yogurts, your nuts, your seeds, your fruit, water, a day's worth of water in your vehicle at all times for each person. So plus it keeps if your vehicle is sitting there on the road during your stayover periods, that cooler will keep any running rodents out of your food supply. Very important. So so that's some ideas for road travel. No, I love that. Those are such good ideas. I think that uh, I know that my sister-in-law and my brother, when we go and visit them in Germany or even when they come here, she is one of the thriftiest people that I know. She also is so prepared and practical. So whenever we go anywhere, whether we're going to like Callaway Park or whatever, she has sandwiches packed, fruit sliced up and ready to go. She's got three or four water bottles filled to the brim. There's ice packs and everything. There's a container of of cookies or granola bars. Uh, There's a couple of containers of craisins. So if someone wants a little something sweet, like it's unbelievable. She's like, her backpack weighs 9 million pounds. And I'm like, I'm sorry, (laughs) Sonia, I'm not carrying that. Like not happening, but she has it all. Like, so I think that, you know, it becomes a way of doing things. And so it avoids also the cost of going to the concession at Callaway Park, if we're using that as an example, but also like you said, Cheryl, to not stop at the fast food, you have exactly one meal out of that. And it's not even probably going to be that satisfying. I don't think people drive away from McDonald's, eat their Big Mac and red box of fries and say, wow, that was satisfying. I think they're like, yeah, I got some food in me and I'm going to probably feel gross in an hour, but I ate, right? So like the stuff that you're recommending people choose, like you're going to feel good. It's just going to, you're sitting in a car. You don't want to be eating stuff that's going to make you feel weighed down and heavy. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, like you want to feel like, I don't know. You just don't want to feel gross, I guess is basically Mm -hmm. what I'm saying. And I'm not saying like I can enjoy a quarter pounder cheese as much as the next person, but Probably in those longer situations where you're on the road for three, four, five days, depending on where you're going, you want to eat some more of those things that resemble something fresh that you can identify what it was and and you know exactly what went into it. And I like the idea too of just supporting those smaller shops, those mom and pops, right? Like not necessarily always going to the chain or whatever. So there's lots of nuance and other little subliminal messages that we're putting out there over the airwaves today, but um <laughs> <laughs> or are there any other scenarios that you can think of, Cheryl, that you've come across, you know, when members come to you and say, like, this is my struggle, like, I would love to eat better, but this is my circumstance, like, how do I fix whatever that situation might be? 
Timing is one thing to keep in mind too, no matter what the scenario. So try to have main meals. The first one within an hour, hopefully of when you rise, important to fuel the machine. If we consider ourselves a machine, then it's easier to take away the emotion of that food preparation model and try to get a food from each food group into the machine. That's the bottom line. Now you'll maybe feel better. Decisions are easier to make when you have some fuel fueling the brain and the body. So, uh, but try to have a meal, main meal every four to six hours. So set your clock and say, when did I eat? Okay. Next main meal is six hours or four or five, six hours from now. And snacks between a snack is not a four letter word. It's a five letter word. So pick a food group that would be a snack or one or two could be, you know, apples and peanut butter. If that's not accessible, uh, then peanuts, of course, and have some protein with a snack is a good idea from your protein group. Point being as well, when you're on the road, we're at kids tournaments all day long is to determine what time is it because otherwise it can be a snack all day thing because we think somehow that we need to make sure that we're eating and that is not the case you want to have food accessible but you don't need to eat all the time so set that two hour between as your snack time and on the road so important because how many of us have been on the road travel and says like hey you eat one thing a little bit of this and then you know 15 minutes later you went to the other thing that's in the car uh, as you're traveling and, and set your clock. So we're not eating, we're just drinking water or tea or coffee between that time. We're not eating until a snack till two hours later. That can really help to make that decision in the brain from the get-go. So kids tournaments, usually the not-for-profit of chosen whatever tournament is or the facility has X, Y, and Z, and that's all they have. So you have to make a decision. Am I having their their vegetable or fruit little packages or am I having the fries choose the vegetables bottom line you're gonna maybe feel better biochemically also the main protein they have burgers they have hot dogs so that's all they have so you, you just need to make a decision of which one you want they might have veggie burgers yay <laughs> maybe they're cooked on the same pan as the meat burgers <laughs> thus is life that's the way it is with tournaments right point is make sure it's cooked <laughs> make sure it's cooked that cannot be a good scenario for the entire tournament if it's thing if the meat is not cooked so start with that so you're pushing a quarter to make those decisions big thing is in a tournament situation try to bring your own food your own small cooler to the facility no one's going to kick you out if they try to then you know that's not going to go very well so okay starving at a gas station so it's four hours from your last meal you're getting gas and the food is before you in this gas station. What do you choose? Try to go fresh over the rest of it. There's going to be the bowl of bananas. Try to grab one of those if you can. What are you going to have for protein? Well, there's the bags of nuts. That's a start. If they have the rolling through the hot machine type of fast foods on that look like they're all brown, they are really all brown. <laughs> so there might be some meat within that battered item. If you want to take a chance on protein there, it should be to heat temperature and check. So those options, but they're probably not the greatest. And probably the, the nuts and fruit or vegetables should work in that situation. And they're all, in that case, if you need gluten-free, they are gluten-free too, if that's the case. Yeah, so those are some ideas. When you were talking about the rolly machines of the brown meat, that reminded me. So my very first job when I graduated was actually in 
Goldsboro, North Carolina. And I drove down there with my dad. So it was a father-daughter road trip. And we were stopped in Bland, West Virginia. It was really late. We were at the gas station so we could fill up the car. And there was a little hotel up the road. And we were thinking that we were, I don't know what we were thinking we were going to get at the gas station, but what we ended up having to get at the gas station, it was the last two hot dogs on the rolly <laughs> thing. So they were well cooked. They were very brown. Um, and we, and I think we had orange juice and that was supper. It was really sad, but I have to say it was because it was like seven o'clock at night or something. It was dark. There was fireflies, which were the first time I'd ever seen fireflies. Those hot dogs actually tasted really good, but yes, I wouldn't normally <laughs> recommend eating the food off the rolly thing, except in cases of utter desperation, but that was a fun little trip down memory lane. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so and they, they usually have the package sandwiches, right? In the fridge yes. there too, or the freezer, they have the burrito lineup too, which can, you know, push come to shove. You need to eat to fuel the machine. Road trips, very easy to think that, oh, this store is going to be open. It's not open. And then you're, you didn't bring anything in it. It's pretty hangry. For sure. Uh, a hangry situation. So sorry. For sure. No, no, no. And I, those sandwiches are actually a really good idea, right? Like what is the difference between, well, okay, there might be some subtle differences, but like if you're going to have a sandwich and it's kind of a, a do or die situation in terms of choices, and there doesn't happen to be a subway, a subway is a sandwich. So you may as well get a sandwich out of the cooler. That's got all this stuff on it. There's a little bit of lettuce. There's some token tomato, you know, there's whatever meat that usually they have some decent options, roast beef, turkey, ham, whatever. Like again, food doesn't have any moral value associated with it. And it's not going to like whatever you were doing prior to being on the road is not going to be undone because of this one sandwich you got out of the cooler. Like we really, again, need to cut ourselves a little bit of slack and, and get those Instagram or whatever influencers out of our head who are telling us this garbage because it's, it's ridiculous. And it just makes people make choices that might not align with their budgetary requirements or their budgetary limitations. And Nobody needs to be made to feel bad because of a choice they need to make just because that's the reality of their circumstance, right? So we need to just turn all that noise off and just do what you need to do to, as Cheryl says, fuel the machine because that's the most important thing. It doesn't always have to be the five-star chef inspired meal. It Sometimes it can be the rolly hot dog. It's going to be okay. <laughs> so any... <laughs> and, and you know what? It makes for interesting stories later on. So Cheryl... Final word to you, last thoughts on things that you would like to share to address meal planning in like these really broad ways, which I think is such a great way to look at it or anything around stretching that nutritional value for dollar or anything that we might've missed before you let everybody know how they can get in touch with you so that they too can find a dietitian. All right. Thanks. The theme I think about the ingredients is make it simple. So you can decorate your frozen corn, your green beans later. Just try to get them. Okay, I'm steaming them in the microwave. So keep the base ingredients simple. Uh, you, it is not the food channel. I think in some ways those realities of our life has have made things more difficult for people. And the Instagram, like you say, is cut out the noise, go for the simple ingredients or the plain ingredients. And from there, yes, you have the red pepper. You can cut that up and throw that in the corn if you have to. So once you get the main ingredients, then work some other fun around it. But basically try to give yourself a break and go for the main ingredients. So that would be as close to the farm as possible. But again, 
budget budget. Try to get the user on sale ideas with apps around the information that we have is being updated. So yeah. So there'll be a cheat sheet coming out soon with updates on some apps and things to use, but flip app, if you can, there's one called coupon cutie. There's a number of them where you try to get your store deals that can save you lots of money. And it's always a good deal to get stuff on sale. So um, not chase for 20 minutes on the road, spending X amount on gas to get that $1.99 item, but, but again, keep it in your pocket for the good deals. All right. So how to get in touch with me. If you are a member, I book appointments by self-referral. And so you would leave a message, an email. If you're sending your service number, of course, make that secure. We do need your service number to book. So the number is 780-973-4011, extension 6236, that's 6236. And I take members from across the province, except for Cold Lake. A colleague handles the members in Cold Lake, but I also take appointments with folks in the Yukon. So right across the board there. And if you need to navigate the system, meaning your spouse, your kid, I don't know where to, where the dietitian is for that person, then usually it's your primary care network for your family members. Most often, some programs have their built in dietitian. So it'd be the gastrointestinal program across the city, etc. Most of the main hospitals have an outpatient dietitian, some don't anymore, but that would be Grey Nuns, they should have the Ms, the Alex, so in the main cities, there should be a bookable outpatient dietitian. That would probably be a doctor referral situation. Uh, but your primary care number should be self-referral, hopefully. Okay? If you need a doc to refer, then you just please ask your doctor. And they say, oh, you don't need one. It is your right to have a dietitian referral. That should be covered by healthcare. And otherwise, there's tons of private practice dietitians, including myself. And that's accessible by... Find Dietitian with Dietitians of Canada or our College of Dietitians of Alberta. There is a way to do that there as well. So uh, hopefully that helps. Any problems, then by all means, I work two days a week at the base. So by all means, email Cheryl Nickerak, N-I-C-K-U-R-A-K. I'm the only one on that name. So not hard to find as long as you have the first four letters it should be good the contact information the phone number the email i'll put all that in the show notes that is wherever you're listening to this so you should find all that information there will be some links i'll put all that stuff in the show notes so that it's easy for people to find and hopefully they can connect with the dietitian somewhere if they feel that that would be a good idea we covered a ton of information today cheryl i think we did a pretty good job being really broad in our approach i really appreciate your taking the time to do this i know that you are only on base a couple of days a week and i know that you're actually at home right now doing this so that we can record it and i think that members really value the service that you provide and i know that we certainly appreciate the way that we can collaborate with you and the other healthcare providers to provide that more seamless support to support our CAF members thank you carissa bye everybody so thank you very much for being here and thanks everybody for joining us today and be sure to come back in a few weeks to hear what i'm sure is going to be a fascinating conversation as cheryl comes back to talk about concussion nutrition who knew that that was even a thing in the meantime take care Stay healthy, and we'll see you on the flip-flop.